0: Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host Michael Brennan. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, flying solo for just this little intro here before we're joined. Our weekly appearance with Stephen Lassen of Athlod Sports. We're going to talk. Every single upcoming game here this weekend in the SEC slate and a number of coaching rumors, speculation, awards, all kinds of good stuff with Steven. So great show lined up for you. But hey, we got to start right there with the coaching front. Latest rumors and rumblings here right as I was set to record. We had a report Lane Kiffin to Auburn going to resign on Friday and Head on down to the Plains by Saturday. I'm hearing not true. And I've heard this from multiple people there that I touch base with out of the state of Mississippi. They do not believe this is accurate information. And on a lot of fronts, I mean, there's a pretty big Iron Bowl on Saturday. Was Lane Kiffin really going to jump ship and join on Friday prior to that? Seems like that would be a giant distraction. But that's just something to think about. But now I've heard from a number of people this is not accurate information. And again, that does not mean Lane Kiffin won't be the next Auburn coach. He, based on what I was just told right before I logged on here, he's the number one candidate. I mean, this is no secret by any means. But he's getting pulled in multiple directions here. So nothing official as of Monday evening, Tuesday morning when you're listening to this, unless things have changed since I started recording here. But, uh, yeah, so don't believe everything you hear. This is that crazy time football calendar where rumors and speculation and this guy's going to take that job and this guy's going to take, take that job and this guy's on the hot seat. He may not really even be. So be careful what you trust there. Lane Kiffin did somewhat address this during his uh, weekly press conference on Monday. So let's kick it over to what lane had to say and again this was before this report that uh, all but said he was off to auburn already
1: lane i've heard you say what your approach is when your name is coming up for other jobs and rumors and whatnot but do, do your players ask you about it during this time uh they don't i think they don't know how we operate and um they've been in this before and so you know, they, they don't even ask. I think they know how we do things here and, you know, pro mindset of preparing every day to get better and win. And, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I'm extremely happy here, like we just talked about, <coughs> the difference of where this program is now compared to three years ago. And, you know, feel that we have really good support. So, I mean, I get up here and give you whatever it was, the Pine Box speech, and, you uh, I'm not going to be the next head coach at Alabama, i give you those things, and, you know, so, I don't know what those mean, (laughs) so, I don't know what else to say, I mean, been here three years, and been fortunate enough to, I guess now I have three different contracts, so I don't know why all of a sudden, a fourth contract, all of a sudden makes people feel better, so, um, like I said, we're very appreciative of everything here.
0: All right, so there you got it from Kiffin, focusing on the game. Well, you know what, he's not going to deviate from what he's already said, but I uh, just wanted to add just the, those nuggets that I picked up here. And I got another one here. Jump all down to Rocky Top real quick. Right off the bat, Josh Heupel was asked during his Monday press conference, "What is the deal with Jeremy Banks?" A lot of rampant speculation. Let's kick it over to Josh Heupel.
1: There's a lot of speculation about Jeremy Banks. I'm hoping you can just add some clarity to this. Um, did he get in an altercation with a teammate? Was he suspended for the South Carolina game? Is he available for Vandy? Uh, we, we anticipate Jeremy uh, being with us here uh, this week. And, and uh, you know, as far as um, what transpired and, and those type of things, at the end of the day, he wasn't available uh, this Saturday.
0: So it couldn't have been anything too bad if Jeremy Banks looks like he's going to play for Vanderbilt and they sure as hell could use him based on that defensive performance they had against South Carolina. But it's fair to ask, if he's not addressing this, does that all but make these rumors true? And if you haven't heard the rumors, I guess i got to be careful what I say here, because some people haven't heard it, and they'll they'll think it's accurate just by me sharing this. But a lot of people suggesting that uh, Jeremy Banks and Hendon Hooker got into a fight, I'm told that's not accurate. I'm told... There was, uh, you know, some kind of situation there in the locker room. This is not Jeremy Banks' first issue by any means, but uh, this has been a culmination of events as it was relayed to me. And, again, no punches thrown. Hendon Hooker did not get beat up. He did not fall on a helmet, as old Butch Jones would say in a situation like this. But, again, it couldn't have been too bad if he's going to play on – Saturday against Vanderbilt. And that remains to be seen. But based on what uh, Josh Heupel had to say there, it looks like he is going to suit up as long as uh, no other altercations come about here leading up to uh, the season finale in Nashville. So I just wanted to share what I heard about it. Again, no, he did not fight. At least he didn't hit headed hooker. We'll put it that way based on what I was told. And last little nugget here before we get to Steven. Last and this is something we kind of hit on. But uh, optimistic update from Jimbo Fisher heading into this LSU game. If the Aggies have any chance to end the season on a right note, get another conference win, it's going to come at home against red-hot LSU. But they're going to need Devon Ochain and Evan Stewart. And according to Jimbo Fisher, it's looking good. The two of the best players on the team, maybe – can't even say maybe, maybe the two best players running back, Devon Hachain, receiver Evan Stewart. Things are looking good for them to suit up on Saturday.
1: Being a perseverance, uh, obviously some injuries to some key guys. Uh, do you see Evan Stewart and Devon chain coming back this week?
2: Uh, very hopeful. I mean, I, and I'm very optimistic about that. I can't say that for sure. You don't
1: ever day-by-day day things, but feel very, very optimistic. To the right, Cole. The and end. they're pushing, I'll say that. They've been working their tails off.
0: So, hey, I just wanted to give a little silver lining there for them Aggies. I know it's been a rough go of it, but there is an opportunity Saturday to close the season on the right note, get you an upset win, a ranked win, big-time win there for Jimbo and company. All of that opportunity is at your doorstep here. Let's see how they close it out. But, hey, that's enough of me sitting here spieling. Let's kick it over to our weekly interview with Steven Lassen of Athlon Sports. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by a friend of the show, Stephen Lassen, back for his weekly appearance. You know him as Athlon Stephen, senior editor at Athlon Sports. And don't forget to check out his outstanding YouTube channel, All CFB 365. Stephen, my friend, thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, Mike, it's good to be back on the show. It's always good to be talking with you, and it's even a better time when we got rivalry games, we've got conference championship coming
0: up. So I'm excited. It should be a fun week of games. Well, before we get to the rivalries, unfortunately, we have to talk about South Carolina beating Tennessee real quick. Cause that was just was such a stunner. And I want to do a little flashback, Steven, because you're, I mean, you're pretty uh, spot on. Most of the time I call you the college football encyclopedia for a reason. You know, I respect your opinion more than just about anybody else out there. Yet even you were ju- were ready to bury Marcus Satterfield with the rest of us. I was in that camp too. But after that performance, I mean, it was historic. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. They made a defense just look downright pathetic. Are you ready to apologize to Marcus Satterfield? And does he keep that job now that they just thrashed the big orange?
2: Mike, I don't know if you know this, but I've always been a big fan of Marcus Satterfield. I've always said that once he gets his he gets his system in place and he can use the plays that he needs, South Carolina's offense is going to take off and score, you know, 40, 50 points in the SEC. Um, shame on me. Uh, you know, I, I thought about that on Saturday while I was watching the game. I was thinking he's like man I think I told Mike that South Carolina didn't want to get into this back and forth game with Tennessee because of the way Tennessee could score and the way this has gone for South Carolina this year. Man, was I wrong and do I look like an idiot today? <laughs> uh you know, in all seriousness, I guess my my question with this is where has this been all year for South Carolina? Why did it take till November at the end of the season to show that kind of firepower on offense. Um, I mean, Tennessee certainly has some deficiencies in the secondary and struggles to stop the pass, but I mean, that's the Spencer Rattler. I thought we would see back in the off season, you know, the, the arm talent, the, the putting the ball into tight windows, like all of that stuff he showed at Oklahoma and you thought he could do that at South Carolina, maybe not to the extent we saw against Tennessee, but a lot more consistent production. So I'm still skeptical that that is a job saver because when you look at the rest of the the resume, uh, there's a lot to be desired if you're South Carolina. The caveat being that, hey, if South Carolina goes out and does this to Clemson on Saturday, maybe that changes the conversation a little bit. But it's hard for me to to sit here and say, hey, one game you know save your job when it may be just more situational and that Tennessee just can't stop the pass. And the rest of the resume we've seen south carolina's offense just be too inconsistent and and not productive enough
0: yeah i'm glad you went there stevie because that's kind of that's kind of my thought is we got to give this guy all the credit in the world we got to give that offense credit because we've been burying them but at the same time as great as that performance was it's historic i mean that's going to be a night those fans remember forever but where like you said, where's this been? I mean, this is a little bit of an indictment on and this was without Marshawn Lloyd, without Christian Beale Smith. This is down some weapons and you still look like you. So yeah, uh it's still I'm right there with you. We let's see what they do against Clemson. Tough, tough task. If they have a great performance there, go on to a bowl game, have another great performance. I think maybe we change that conversation, but but I'm I'm not ready after one performance to just say he's our guy because <laughs> there's been far more where he's not but let me ask you on the flip side Stephen tim banks tennessee defensive coordinator tennessee fans out on this guy get his ass out of here forget that he won us the pit game forget that uh you know the, the defense has has been playing much better at times is tim banks the problem for tennessee's defense what's your thoughts on that
2: I don't think he's the problem. Uh, I, I certainly understand the the Tennessee fans wanting change at a defensive coordinator after that performance on Saturday. But I think Tennessee is more of a personnel problem on defense. I mean, you come into this year, you know, to go back to when we did our preseason magazine and Tennessee didn't have a ton of players that were in the conversation from a defensive perspective to make the all-conference team. And if you took the pulse of kind of, you know Tennessee fans I mean certainly you would have gotten some people who were you know critical of Tim Banks before Saturday night but for the most part I think it was fair to say that the defense was on the right track I mean the upfront this year with the way they were stopping the run creating some havoc with the pass rush I mean there were some good things there the secondaries is just more personnel when you've had injuries and other things and you know re- recruiting misses whatever it is you know that's an area that can only be solved in in through recruiting and just takes time so I don't think that Tennessee should make a change of defensive coordinator unless hypo just loses the confidence. You know, just he doesn't have any confidence anymore. I thought it was interesting after the game. You know, hypo and and the staff was saying we you know, we basically tried everything and, <laughs> you know, they couldn't stop him. So that that just tells me it's it's a personnel thing and and that can only be solved by what Tennessee is is trying to do and through the portal and through the uh, the high school ranks.
0: Right. I always say it, Stephen, and it it's. Holds true every time players matter more than coaches. That's not to say coaches don't matter, but there's a reason Georgia and Alabama and Ohio state are always there at the end. They have a a stockpile of better talent. So again, I agree with, with that. And I forgot to mention health Kentucky game. We were, at least I was ready to give this guy an extension. I mean, they played incredible against an alleged NFL quarterback. So, Mike, I think it's actually a good point you raised, though, is, I mean, compare the the talent on
2: Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. Like, when you think about Georgia, it's, you know, Jalen Carter, uh, Starks, you know, Smith at safety. You know, think about Alabama with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and the guys they've got in the secondary, Eli Ricks, and think about the guys that Tennessee has. I mean, there's just – there's just a need to get more bodies and more talent in the program to be able to, to stack up against those teams. I trust hype and this staff to figure out offense. They're going to score points every year with, you know, whether it's Joe Milton or someone else at quarterback next year, but solving the defense was always going to be a question mark this year and going forward. And that's what they're going to have to solve. If they want to consistently challenge Georgia and Alabama in the other programs when the SEC expands to 16 and, and we do away with divisions.
0: Now, what's your thoughts, Stephen, on um, Billy Napier down there? Now that the, the, he's lost to Vanderbilt, that was just awful. They they went away for the run for some reason. And, and I don't want to discredit Vanderbilt, but rewatch that game this morning. And I referenced it on yesterday's show. Depending on on what you be, you know who you believe, there was about a thirty four point swing with all these mistakes. So I want to say kind of Florida handed them that one, but it, no one cares. The the fact you lost to Vanderbilt, that's going to haunt Billy Napier all off season. Does that give you any hesitation that this is the right guy for the job and, and why we're going past Happy when your running game has has been a machine the last couple of weeks? I mean, I was just kind of befuddled by that. What do you make all that? And and does this sour you at all on Billy Napier or is it just kind of the one year we'll give him a, a, what do they call it? A mulligan, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question. I I think first of all, I I, like you was very puzzled to look at the stat sheet at the end of the game and see Florida had 21 rush attempts. You know, Florida needs to be a lot closer to 40 or so and etn and Montreal johnson and anthony richardson on the ground is your best chance to win games especially when vanderbilt's had trouble against the run all year so it was really puzzling uh to see how that game played out and then of course looking back and seeing the stats and seeing the carries for florida i think in the big picture and maybe I should answer this question under, under you know ducking here. It doesn't sour me any on Billy Napier. I, I think it raises your concern level just a little bit and wondering why they came out just so flat in a spot that they were favored by, you know, two touchdowns or so in, in a game, frankly, they shouldn't have lost even though um, they're not quite at the Florida level of talent across the board we're used to seeing. So It does raise some questions, but I think it gets back at the same thing when we talk about Tennessee is, you know, Florida, from a roster perspective, just needs more talent. They need more guys who can make plays on offense in the passing game at receiver. Defensively, we've seen some attrition already during the year. They need more talent on that side of the ball. So I'm Mr. Patience here, I guess. I'm I'm willing to give Billy Napier and his staff uh, not necessarily a second chance. I'm, I'm willing to believe they're going to get this right we've seen reasons to think that this was a clunker on Saturday. I'm curious to see how they come out and play against Florida state. Cause I think they should be motivated. And, you know, frankly, they've played up to teams this year. So it would be the trend to, to do so again this week.
0: Now, one of the biggest questions just looming in all the sec right now, Stephen Lane Kiffin, what is he going to do? We all, we're all hearing all the smoke with the Auburn job. Will he stay at Ole Miss? Will he go to Auburn? In, in a week from today, Stephen will know this answer. So I guess I'm I'm putting you out there. Do you have a prediction or thoughts or just what do you think? Where do you think Lane Kiffin is working a week from now? I guess is the best question.
2: Man, I, I'm still cleaning up the the egg on my face from the <laughs> Marcus Satterfield prediction. So I mean, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't make any predictions here. Uh, no, in, in all seriousness, you're right. I think this is coming to a conclusion really fast because of the Egg Bowl this weekend and also the looming roster and transfer situation across the board and recruiting. Personally, I I have a hard time seeing the fit, you know, that's something I keep going back to in all this. Like I get the money angle. I get the NIL thing. I also understand it's much easier to win a national championship at Auburn. I just, the fit seems a little weird to me for Lane Kiffin. Now I think if he's the next coach, he'll crush it there. I mean, he'll do all the things and and Auburn will be a lot better right away and long-term. But my guess is that I think he'll probably stay at Ole Miss, but that's like 51-49 in in terms of of confidence level.
0: Okay. Well, how about on the other side of that, Stephen? Mike Leach, I don't know if he's really on the hot seat or not. He he did just get an extension, but it came late and that's what they do down there all the schools at Mississippi because you can only sign someone to a four-year deal. But he's 0-2 in the Egg Bowl. I think it's safe to say they've underachieved. But not I mean, not horribly. If they win on uh Thursday, what will they be? Eight and four. That's not terrible, but you know, I was thinking nine and three, possibly even ten and two, and seven and five with 0 and three in the egg bowl. Any possibility with a new AD coming in there. You could see this being the final game of the Mike Leach era on Miss at Mississippi State.
2: I would be surprised if there's a coaching change there. The only caveat to that is, is Mike Leach just he's Mike Leach. Like he could decide he wants to go like you know backpack Wyoming into Mexico tomorrow and and walk away, and and none of us would be surprised. But I I do think that in the big picture. You know, this was a an opportunity for, for Mississippi State this year, a very veteran team with a quarterback who's entrenched in that system. You know, I assume he'll be back next year and maybe you can put the pieces together to make another run at it. But the, the West in its current form is not going to get any easier with Auburn getting better under whoever the new coach is. You have to assume that A&M will be better, whether it's under Jimbo or someone else in, in two years. So, you know, there there was an opportunity there for Mississippi State to break through and maybe finish a little bit higher in the standings. And I think there has to be a level of disappointment. I, I think that he'll be back next year. I think the question is, is whether he can get Mississippi State to that next level. And especially with the new AD coming in, I think that sort of raises the the potential for something to happen maybe after 2023 or 2024.
0: Final uh, coaching question I got for you, Stephen. I just wanted to pick your brain. And, and if, you know, just wanted to get your, your thoughts on this. But I I don't know if you saw this, but the Frank Broyles Award uh, semifinalist was announced on Monday. And we got four candidates from the SEC. We got Alex Golish, the Tennessee offensive coordinator. We got Matt House, the LSU defensive coordinator. Pete Lembo the South Carolina special teams coordinator and Todd Munkin, the Georgia offensive coordinator. If Steven Lassen was giving out the Frank Burrell's award and it, and it has to go to one of these sec assistants, uh, which, which one are you honoring here? Man, that's a, that's tough.
2: Cause like all of these, you can make a pretty compelling case for, I, you know, I really like what Pete Limbo has done with special teams and I mean, it's, it is kind of weird to give it to a special teams coordinator, but the, how valuable that group has been, you know, I can think of two wins that South Carolina, not necessarily has, but the Georgia state game and Texas A&M, the way that that special teams shifted momentum for South Carolina, I'd be willing to to give it to him, you know, Matt house at LSU with the way that they've been ha- kind of having to figure this out on the fly with all the transfers and, using harold perkins uh, i would probably give it to one of those two either pete
0: limbo or matt house you know my favorite thing about a question like that Stephen. i mean these are all great candidates they're all deserving but whatever you say you just piss off three other sec fan bases so i'm glad you went with two there so only two will
2: be upset mike it's supposed to be the week (laughs) of thanksgiving and all these (laughs) fan bases are gonna be mad at me (laughs) all right i'm sorry i'm
0: This is what I really wanted to have you on here, my favorite week of SEC games. Unfortunately, it is the last weekend of the regular season, but we got rivalry games. Even though every time I say that, Arkansas fans say, the hell, Missouri ain't no rival? Okay, we get it, but I'm still calling it rivalry week because damn near every other one of these games is a rivalry. We we can't just say rivalry, rivalry week at Arkansas-Missouri. So, Stephen, I asked you to do this. Least competitive to most competitive rivalry games in your mind. Every one of these games I'm dying to see. So I'm, I'm dying to hear your list. Let's start with uh, the matchup you think is going to be the least competitive this week.
2: I think it has to be Georgia Tech at Georgia. <laughs> uh, I, you know, Georgia Tech has played better since they hired Brent Key, or I should say they promoted Brent Key, to interim coach, and they fired Jeff Collins. They've been playing better, um, but the problem for Georgia Tech is, you know, they're down basically two quarterbacks right now. Not sure if they'll get either one of those guys back. You know, their offense just isn't very prolific, and defensively, while they're improved, it's hard to see them slowing down Georgia. And plus, you you look at the series trend; uh, Georgia's won the last two by a combined score of ninety-seven to seven. So based upon what we've seen this year and the last couple years, I think it's hard to make the case that this is a competitive game. Also, I think last week's game against Kentucky gave Kirby plenty of reasons to keep his guys motivated and locked in uh, for a tough week of practice. So I'm expecting Georgia to sort of flex its muscles in this one.
0: Yeah. And I think I apologize for not knowing the background, but I think Kirby, maybe he lost a to Tech or at some point, I don't know, but he's he really seems to hate them. So they do not put their take their foot off of gas uh, on this damn poor Yellow Jacket team. Uh, it's just kind of sad. I've heard some Georgia fans question why they even play this game anymore. So, you know, if nothing else, I'd, I'd like to see the Yellow Jackets hire a competent coach to where at least this is a little bit more of a rivalry. But it ain't going to be this year. So who's next on your list here, Steven? I've
2: got the Iron Bowl between auburn and alabama now i think this might be a not necessarily a a dominant victory by alabama it might be one of those games where we look down and alabama wins something like 31 to 10 and they really don't have to sweat a whole lot but auburn could make this kind of ugly with their defensive front maybe get some pressure on bryce young and and also i think there's a lot of pride for auburn uh with the way they've played under cadillac williams i mean they, they took a pretty good Western Kentucky and and beat them you know pretty handily on Saturday after Western Kentucky closed up to to tie the game. So I think that just the fight that Auburn has showed this year, combined with the rivalry, I think they can maybe hang within striking distance. But Alabama, uh, just too much firepower on offense. Hard to see Auburn being so one dimensional, being able to keep pace with Bryce Young. And then of course we know what what Alabama can do uh, defensively do wonder if this is the last time we see bryce young and will anderson in an alabama uniform and so just as a fan of college football like that to me that's enough of a reason to watch which probably going to be a one-sided uh, iron bowl on saturday
0: now but well, of course maybe it's a different story if it's played in jordan Hare, right because that's that's a tricky place to play in hell they were they're massive underdogs last season if i if memory serves i think they had lost three in a row coming into that game should have won it but of course a <laughs> little different story playing at tuscaloosa
2: yeah i was gonna say i mean if, if this game was at auburn maybe some auburn november magic but at this you know it, the games at auburn have been close recently but in tuscaloosa it's been a different story and I, I it's just auburn at the risk of making another bad prediction here mike Auburn just not enough offensive firepower throwing the ball it's probably going to be hard to just try and line up 40 times and and run it against Alabama you need Pete Limbo coordinating your special teams getting the block punt and maybe a couple uh takeaways from Bryce Young
0: yeah but I have liked the adjustments Auburn's has made particularly on offense since the firing it's you know not that they've been like you said they it's not like they're scoring a ton but they're doing enough to get those running backs going, and I, I think that's obviously what they should have been all doing all season long. So uh, who's next on your list here, Stephen? Little surprise.
2: I've got LSU and Texas A&M next. Uh, when you look at the series, I think this is kind of interesting to me, is that LSU is 8-2 and two against A&M, but of course the games that they lost were in College Station. Uh, We all remember that crazy overtime game with Burrow uh, a couple years ago. But I think LSU at this point, there is some pressure because they're still in the playoff mix, but they're really playing with house money these next two games. I mean, they they obviously need to win to be in the new year six, but no one thought that LSU would be on the doorstep of playing for the SEC championship and and being in the playoff. And you also just look at the way that, uh, that A&M has played offensively. I mean, Saturday against UMass was a struggle. I know the weather was bad, but if they're having trouble scoring against UMass and some of these other teams in the SEC, LSU's defense with the way that they can create havoc with Ojalary and Perkins in this game, a struggling offensive line is not a great matchup for A&M. Also not sure if A-Chain and, and Evan Stewart play. I mean, if, if those two guys don't go for a it's really hard to see how they can get enough points. And, I just I like the way that LSU's offense rebounded after the U A the Arkansas game against UAB on Saturday. So I, I think LSU they're only favored by ten, but I like them by more than that.
0: Now I probably should have researched this before I even asked you, Stephen. But uh, Max Johnson, okay, I guess I remember he hurt his thumb. He may be out for the season, but. Any chance you throw him out there? Because, hell, he knows this team, and, and Connor Wigman, whew. I mean, he looked great one week, and then he looked pretty rough against UMass. Do you, would you stay with the with the youngin or, or go with the more experienced option, if that's even an option?
2: I think you have to stick with Connor Wigman at this point. I think you know he's your guy. He's your guy for next year. You've got to let him learn. And I think if you're A&M, you're hoping that maybe you get some guys back. Uh, if you can get a chain back, the difference that he's made in some of these games, you know, either catching the ball or or just straight up rushing, Evan Stewart, their best playmaker at receiver, I think that you know Wigman could play a lot better than he did Saturday. Some of that was just the elements were poor. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and see what happens if they can get some guys back around him. So I think at this point he's your guy, and you got to see what you have, uh, you know, against a good LSU defense. And especially too, hey, the, when the portal opens up, you you either got to know what you have at quarterback, or if you don't, if you need to bring somebody in, you, you know your window of finding this out is is pretty small for Texas A and M.
0: Yeah, I just hope the Aggies show some pride. You know, the fans show up and they make us a ball game. Because I, if they play up to their potential, I could see them beating LSU. I really could. It's just, I don't know that I've seen them play up to their potential all year. So, so who you got next on your list? I got Tennessee at Vanderbilt. Um, you
2: know the Ooh, spread man. on this
0: game is
2: higher than the LSU Texas A and M game, but I have a lot of just curiosity about this game because of the you know the Hinton Hooker being out. How does Joe Milton play? I also think Vanderbilt's pretty desperate here. I mean, they can beat Tennessee, get to six wins, and get to a bowl game. Uh, Vanderbilt looks like a really confident team right now, and, and I don't I don't know how to statistically you know, put that into to to words, but you know, they were outgained against Florida, but the way they were able to force that, you know, get the turnover in the end zone, short fields a couple times and score. Mike Wright can create some, you know, havoc with his rushing ability. I think Vanderbilt's just playing with a lot of confidence. And they've got kind of a, a banged up Tennessee team coming into Nashville. So a little bit more curiosity just to see where Tennessee is and to see if Vanderbilt can maybe steal another one and get to six wins.
0: Yeah, and maybe, I don't want to say the biggest t- test of Josh Heupel's tenure here, but it's going to be up there. And, I mean, this is a real opportunity, Stephen, to to lose a lot of goodwill, to lose momentum. If you lose to freaking Vanderbilt, I mean, my God, this will be 2016 all over again, losing to South Carolina and Vanderbilt. You just can't have that happen. So all the pressures on Tennessee. But, I mean, I think Tennessee, even without Hendon Hooker, could win this game by 40 they could no show and lose it. So uh, you know, I'm kind of right there with you this it seems like it could go either way. but if Tennessee plays up to their potential, I think they could blow they could blow Vanderbilt's doors off. Do you agree with that?
2: I, I agree with you. I, I think at the risk of being really wrong about a Tennessee game again, I you know Vanderbilt needs this game to be lower scoring like the higher it is, even if Joe Milton's throwing like 100 mile an hour passes out of the stadium, if he connects on a few bombs, you know it's really that's really not great news for Vanderbilt because I don't think you want to get into a game where you're trying to score 45 to beat Tennessee. You need this to be a much lower scoring game. You know I think one other thing to consider here is you know Tennessee is sort of on the bubble to be in a New Year's Six bowl game. You know they're in pretty good shape as long as they don't fall behind uh Penn State or or another team from the Pac-12 that loss uh, you know we'll see where they end up in the playoff rankings but they need a good showing I think to ensure a trip to the Orange Bowl the Cotton Bowl uh or the Sugar Bowl Uh, if they lose this game they're going to fall out so I bowl games are what they are but there could be a lot on the line as far as positioning for Tennessee if they lose this game or don't play well at all all
0: right so who's next on your list here Stephen
2: I got South Carolina at Clemson. Um, mm. I, I'm interested to see if if South Carolina can replicate what they did last week. Uh, this week, we'll be going up against a much better defense with Clemson. The way that Clemson you know, can play defense among the best in college football, it starts up front. Their, their defensive line is one of the best in college football, creating uh, sacks and pressure. They've had some issues in the secondary this year. But they had a lot of guys banged up when they were having their problems. So I think they've figured things out from a defensive standpoint, and they've gotten back on track. Offensively, this is where all the questions were coming into the season. Probably still fair to consider that this group is not, uh, you know, maybe one of the best in college football. It's certainly, I think, kind of middle of the pack in the ACC this year. Improved. Uh, but not quite to the level of some of the def- the offenses that uh, Tennessee uh, – sorry, South Carolina has already faced this year. You know, Tennessee is much more prolific. But this series has trended very heavily in Clemson's favor the last couple of years. So it's another great opportunity for South Carolina to, to make a statement and, and get another big win for, for Shane Beamer.
0: Do you think it's fair to say this is the the toughest – or maybe not toughest, but maybe the most attainable uh, goal for Shane Beamer there in South Carolina? I mean, I I know those fans, they want to win the East, they want to go to Atlanta, but is that more attainable or is kind of flipping the script on Clemson? Not saying you beat them every year or anything, but just maybe you beat them... 50% Fifty percent of the time, or, or what, what have you? Do you think that's more attainable, or do you, or climbing the SEC to be an SEC contender? Which one do you think is more attainable for Shane Beamer's program?
2: I think it's beating Clemson. And, and just to to give you an idea of what's at stake for Clemson on Saturday, you know they have won forty games in a row at home. They have been dominant and hard to beat. So if South Carolina can go into the Clemson and get a win you know that's another huge check uh for Shane Beamer in this program Uh, South Carolina's offense the last I think two times they've played Clemson it has not gone well so even if they just get something going in this game offensively and it's much more competitive that would be a good sign I think for for the Gamecocks so I I think to to answer your question more specifically I think it's going to be really hard for south carolina especially when divisions go away and you're trying to get past alabama and and you know lsu on a consistent basis in georgia i think you could pick off clemson a lot more frequently than they have the last you know 10 years or so
0: all right so we're we're winding down to the top games here Stephen. who's next on your list
2: Florida at Florida state. Uh, Mm. I I, I sure hope that this is a competitive game because it, you know, it'll be great to get these two programs back in the top 25 and back at the level that we saw it sometimes in the nineties and two thousands, but big picture interested to see how Florida responds from the loss at Vanderbilt. You know, we we've talked about it this year that they have played up to teams and they've played down to teams and they're going on the road almost as a, as a 10 point favorite, on Saturday or on Friday. Sorry. So I'll be interested just to see how they play in terms of matchup. I think Florida state is probably one of the most improved teams in the country from last year, but also from week one to week seven and from week seven to, to this point um, they, they are one of the best in the ACC at running the ball and they have an efficient quarterback in Jordan Travis. So I, I think if you're watching this game and you're Florida you want to find a way to slow down that rushing attack of Florida State and keep them in some long yardage passing situations. So I, I'm I'm just interested to see if we get a much better effort from Florida. I'm betting that we do, uh, but this is a tough game on the road in Tallahassee.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Stephen, because I've not kept up with Florida State since the opener. If LSU and Florida State met again this week on a neutral field, do you think LSU would get that win? I think LSU
2: would probably be favored. I would probably lean LSU outright, but I I think what's interesting about your question is they have both improved so much over the course of the season. And, you know, Florida state, the, they had, they lost three games in a row in the middle of the year. And that was arguably their toughest stretch with wake forest, Clemson and NC state. And since then they have just been dominant week after week. So I think they're, they're better, they're healthier than they were in that stretch. But you could also look and say the same thing um, about LSU. So if they played tomorrow in the uh, in the Orange Bowl, I would probably pick LSU to win this game, assuming both teams were at full strength.
0: All right, Stephen, we're at the top three most competitive rivalry games. What do you got? Number three,
2: I got Louisville at Kentucky. Uh, you know, I I hate to sound like a broken record, but I mean, I hope that we get a competitive game here. Because the last three Kentucky's won by 31 points or more, so they have totally dominated uh, the in-state rival there. But also, I think it's a it's an interesting matchup when you look at what Louisville has done throughout the year. Scott Satterfield was their is their head coach. I thought he was on his way out at one point this year because they had struggled in the first half of the season. They lost a bad game at Boston College. And since then, they've turned things around. They're one of the most improved teams, uh, probably from October and on. And you could point to their defense. Uh, their, Their defense gave up 30 or more points in three of the first five games of the season. But just one time since then. So they have a much improved defense. There is an injury to watch here for Louisville. And that is quarterback Malik Cunningham. He didn't play last week. Brock Doman filled in played pretty well, but Cunningham is a much more dynamic player. So if Kentucky doesn't have to face him, that's a huge advantage uh, for the Wildcats.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because Will Levis kind of banged up too. So, you know, I fully anticipate him playing, but two banged up quarterbacks. Could be the last time we see Will Levis in a Kentucky uniform, who knows. But, uh, yeah, so this is going to be interesting because I know these two sure do hate each other, so... Anytime we got two programs hate each other, we're in for a good old time. Who knows? There might be a – there's probably going to be punches thrown. I'm just guessing.
2: Should uh, should note that um, Louisville is very good at getting to the quarterback this year. They lead the ACC in sacks. That's probably not what Will Levis and Kentucky fans uh, want to hear. But, you know, if, if you're right. I think there is some motivation on Will Levis's part to finish out his Kentucky career at home on a high note.
0: All right. So, who, what's uh, which game's number two on your
2: list, Steven? I'm I always like the <laughs> I don't want to call it a rivalry, <laughs> the matchup between Arkansas and Missouri. I for some reason, I guess it's it's like one of the few games at a high level on, on Friday. So, getting to watch this series, careful to call it not a series, not a rivalry, <laughs> uh, is always fun for me. But you know, I, I love teams that have something to play for in the last week of the season. And there's that desperation angle. And that's what it is for Missouri. Like you need just one win to get bowl eligible. If you can beat Arkansas, a team that you've had success against in recent history, you can get to that bowl game and kind of, I think, exceed preseason expectations. You know, I, I thought five and seven seemed about right. But if they can get to six and six and win the bowl game, uh, that's another kind of check for, for Eli Drinkowitz there. So it'll be interesting because I, I like the way Arkansas played last week KJ Jefferson coming back makes a huge difference for this team and you've got a desperate Missouri team on, on the other side so this this should be a fun one.
0: yeah Stephen and they could claim it's not a rivalry I can I guarantee you I'll, I will post an Eli drinkowitz clip this week. I'll, I'll just I, what I like to do I, I chop, chop up these press conferences and I put it up. Arkansas fans will mock him for three days. So you could say it's not a rivalry, but why the hell do you care about drink with so much? I don't know, but this is this is gonna be a good game, Stephen. Hey, Arkansas, i have you know i have not hit it how much I like them, but they're inconsistent. They play like they did against Ole Miss; they'll blow the doors off Missouri. They play like they did against Liberty or LSU or a couple other games this year. They could lose this game, and so man, I'm I'm very much interested in this one. It's a trophy game. Whether it's a rivalry or not, it is you, to me. If you, you know? if you give out a trophy, isn't it a rivalry <laughs> game? I mean... By definition. And then both the coaches have said it's a rivalry. So, hey, I'm going to catch some flack for that, but it is what it is. So that means the ultimate rivalry game. My favorite in the SEC, number one on your list, the Egg Bowl.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to pick against the Egg Bowl. Even if these two teams were 0 and eleven, like there would still be like a lot of intrigue just because of the way that these two teams just hate each other and the fan bases hate each other. Uh, it's gonna be a good one. And, and you also have you know the angles that we talked about. Is it Lane Kiffin's last game at Ole Miss? Uh, you know, is it it's a chance for Ole Miss to I think finish third in the SEC West if they win this game? if you're Mississippi State, it's a chance to to right the ship a little bit. We talked about how it's been a little bit of a disappointing year. You can beat your rival and kind of send Lane Kiffin out, maybe, uh, on his last game in Oxford as a loser. So, you know, there's a lot at stake here, I think, for for both teams. For Mike Leach to to prove that they can get over the hump and, and beat Ole Miss, I think for for the Ole Miss to finish on a high note, maintain your place in the top 25 and, and still get to one of those uh, you know bowl games in, in Florida in January so e- even if forget the records forget what's at stake it's the Egg Bowl it's Mississippi State it's Ole Miss we've seen some some crazy stuff happen in this game before uh, I'm gonna bet that we'll see some stuff on the on Thursday night
0: yeah and that's that's to me Stephen why I love it so much I mean you got you got games like Dak Prescott beating Ole Miss And then losing in in his historic season. I think of the Nick Fitzgerald injury. They they had to elevate Keeton Thompson. I think of the Hugh Freeze and Dan Mullen battles. And the the dog peeing, of course. And and kickers missing extra points. And the brawls. And just on and on and on. And it kind of feels, I don't know about you, Stephen, but it reminds me a little bit of Dan Mullen's. Last Egg Bowl. And I believe they were favored. They lost that game. And, of course, he went on to Florida. And, you know, all I, I had to hear about it all offseason, how Dan Mullen sucks and we didn't need him. And, you know, he was preoccupied with, with getting a job. Well, hell, now the shoe's on the other foot with Lane Kiffin. So, who, I mean, there's no way to pr- predict how this is going to play out. Cause we don't know who, you know, which team's going to be more motivated. We don't even know if Mike Leach will show up. He may be already being his pontoon boat down in, in Boca or something like that. So man, this is going to be a good time.
2: It, it really is. You know, I, I know one of the narratives about Ole Miss is well, Lane Kiffin might be distracted. It might be true. I do think that, you know, probably where they're going to end up at in the sec and nationally is probably where they were in terms of team strength all year it's that some of those things weren't apparent as the year has gone on and they've also caught some of these opponents at just terrible timing like to to go to arkansas a week after you played alabama and then having to look ahead to play mississippi state it's it's been terrible timing but i mean man to your point if, if lane kiffin loses this game and then he leaves to go to auburn he will never hear the end of it. And of course, you know, Ole Miss fans will, will rightfully probably not let him forget if he was coaching this game uh, distracted, but, you know, based upon the the way that the last two have played out, I, I think you could see why Ole Miss is favored in this game. I mean, both defenses can give up some yards. If you're Ole Miss, you're going to be willing to to bend a little bit. And then you're going to look to Mississippi state's giving up about 183 yards on the ground in sec play that that's great news for judkins and evans who who just ran for over 200 uh, against arkansas so that this one this one could be wild it could be high scoring we know some crazy stuff's going to happen i'm sure we'll get some uh some unsportsmanlike conduct flags in this game so uh i think it's definitely one of the, the better games of the weekend in the sec and, and really around college football
0: now you just made me think one final question i got for you steven but lane Kiffen I'm not trying to diminish anything he's done at Ole Miss because I think you could say he's the top three coach in the SEC just based on what he's done since he's done. I mean, that program had no buzz. I like Matt Luke as a a person. He cared about Ole Miss. Very few guys, you know, that that love their program and and do everything for it like he did. But Lane Kiffin has been a massive, massive upgrade. Having said all that, Stephen, I've heard – a couple people asked this, and I've not heard a good answer, so I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts. What is Lane Kef- Lane Kiffin's best win at Ole Miss? Because I can't, I can't really think of one. That it's like, I mean, they've clearly they've won some ball games here, but you know, I, I can't think of a signature win. Can you? It's a great question. Um, I mean,
2: the game against Kentucky this year was certainly you know high profile at the time and a lot of buzz around the, the program, the game itself, because of the rankings. Um, maybe it's the Egg Bowl twice. And, and, you know, in, in terms of just fan base and, and and appreciating the rivalry, that would probably, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I would appreciate the fact that, hey, if if, if they win this game and, and go 3-0, I, I think that would be something in his favor. But, I mean, you're right. They, they didn't beat Alabama when Alabama was at its most vulnerable. They had the win over Tennessee last year that was – that was something in, in Knoxville. But yeah, I, I do. That's a, that's a good question. I, I, we'll have to, we'll see where this, where this ends up, but after, uh you know, that might be a good off season project just to to dig into the wins of Lane Giffen at Ole Miss.
0: Right. And just having said that again, I'm not trying to take away anything from him because I think he's, he's a great coach. He's done a great job, but I wonder if, you know, the, his antics, he's funny. He says all these things. He tweets, all these things. I wonder if that, you know, builds up his his allure and his his resume a little bit more than it should, but I don't know that there, there's really no answer to that question. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, but something for uh, for Auburn and maybe people like me who's saying, well, he should be the next Alabama or Texas coach. Maybe I gotta pump the brakes uh, until until he wins a big old game.
2: Well, I, I guess maybe the counter to that is, if you're Ole Miss, wouldn't you t- like? do you have to have a signature win at this point when the program was where it was and he's gotten you to this level and you were, you may finish this year with, you know, wh- however many wins they finished. You know, they got to the the sugar bowl last year and they turned things around that quickly. I mean, I, I guess they, I, maybe he's exceeded some expectations for me this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, with the fact that maybe they don't end up with a major win this year. They didn't beat Alabama, because coming into the year, I wasn't sure how this was all going to fit together. I, I transfers and bringing in guys from, you know, Central Michigan, Iowa State, Auburn, and, and USC and trying to TCU to try and mesh these all together, I think speaks well
0: to his coaching
2: ability. So I, I guess there's, there's some give and take, I guess, maybe on the, on the best win thing. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And to your point also, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, he doesn't have any embarrassing losses either. And Brian- I, and that is something which fans will gloss over that but hell the hype will just got one stoops has had a couple i mean vanderbilt this year leach has had them uh i mean on and on napier just had one so i mean this is that is not something to be taken for granted i apologize lane kiffin for doubting you
2: <laughs> you're gonna get a
0: retweet now on his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right Stephen, i've taken up enough of your time thank you as always I appreciate you hopping on the show, talking some SEC football. Before you go, can you tell all the listeners where to find your work?
2: Absolutely. I want to say before I plug all my stuff, I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving out there. Mike, hope you do too. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at AthlonSteven. You can check out my work at aflonsports.com, And you can also follow me on YouTube at AllCFB365.
0: Oh wait, I'm sorry, Stephen. One more question, because you you just made me think of it. Thanksgiving, what's Stephen Lassen's go-to Thanksgiving, whether it's a, a meat, a side, anything? What what's your go-to? Man,
2: I'm I'm afraid I'm gonna like take a lot of like heat for this. I'm a ham guy. I, oh, I, I, I like my power rankings are ham and then turkey, but <laughs> like both. Uh, I you know I prepare. I don't eat breakfast skip dinner one meal and just go all out in terms of ham and turkey get all the sides you got to get you know uh the stuffing you got to get the cranberries uh save room for pumpkin pie and dessert so we're we're once we're making one stop on on thursday and and planning to I,
0: i plan to uh eat accordingly before the egg bowl on thursday night Just want to say thanks again to Stephen for joining the show. I hope you guys appreciated that as much as I do. Stephen's one of the best out there. Would not be having him on once a week if I did not think that he's among the best covering college football, covering the SEC out there. So thanks again, Stephen. And that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Cousin Shane will be back, and we're going to be breaking down these games. We're basically going to preview them. And then predict them, because it's a short week. So, games starting on Thursday. Got multiple games on Friday. And, of course, Saturday's action. Soak up all this content, all this football. Because, it, man, it won't be long before we're dying to see some content. Spring football. <laughs> I'm getting down just thinking about it. Soak it up. That's all I'm trying to say. Let's have a hell of a close to the season. Cannot wait for this weekend all the action all the delicious food but that's going to do it for this episode of the show we'll catch you on the next one